Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's good to have you with us today. I see many of you survived the debacle of last night, so that's great to see you here this morning. I'm talking about staring at those funny pictures. We're going to look at a picture later on in this lesson. I've got a few things I want to fill you in on. I don't know if you know this or not, but the kids' ministry, you know, uh, right now, they've added a classroom. It's growing, so they've added a classroom to our kids' ministry. Isn't that awesome to know that? You know, Nathan was telling me after the break, the campus students, he wondered if anybody was going to be at CrossJet. He said, Dad, it was busting at seams. That's good news, folks. It's good news to know that kind of stuff's going on. Debbie Landon had a heart attack. Doing well. Praise God. Praise God. So there's a lot of good things to be thankful for and to praise God for, okay? And uh, there's a 2020 calendar. If you want to pick it up, it's on the Welcome Center. It's got our major things that are going on. And I uh, hope that you'll join us and participate in the things we've got planned this year. Uh, we're in a series of lessons called The Eyes of Faith. We're trying to see things from God's perspective. You know, in the Christian life, everything is about believing. Everything is about our faith. If you'll notice here in Romans 1.17, Paul said it this way, the good news shows how God makes people right with Him. That it begins and ends with faith. And those who are right with God will live by faith. We learned last week that like Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the cornerstone and the capstone. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And so we live by trusting Him. And it's learning to see through a spiritual eye. You have eyes. They're in your heart. It's a spiritual eye to help us see the unseen. Things that are going on that are not just in front of us that we can see and feel and touch but in a spiritual world, in a spiritual sense, there's a bigger thing going on in this planet. God is working. God is moving. And it's being able to see that to more clearly. That's why this theme this year is open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Yeah, I want to see you, like the song says. I want to see the wonderful things in your word. I want to see your power. I want to know you're with me. I want to see what's the next step for me. What do I need to do? I need to, when I see people, I see them as helpless and harassed like your son Jesus. It's looking through those kind of eyes. And it's from God's perspective that we see life. And this is done through faith. And so today I want to talk about, uh, the kind of faith or what, what faith does when it moves God to do something amazing. You know, it's funny, uh, you look at Jesus, He did lots of miracles. The Bible records them. In John chapter 2, His first miracle is recorded. You all know where it was. It was in Cana, turning water into wine. And in that, he, it says that He performed this miracle to show His glory. To show that He was the Son of God. To prove it. I think the book of Hebrews and other passages talk about how Jesus performed miracles to confirm what He was saying to confirm who He was. And so He's performing this miracle to show that. And the Bible says in John 2 that the response the disciples had was they put their faith in Him. They begin to believe who He said He was. Now, news about Jesus doing amazing things begin to spread throughout His life from that moment on. This guy's amazing. This guy does wonders and signs and miracles and, and the wisdom that comes out of His mouth. Where does He get these things? That's the kind of thing. That's the reputation Jesus had in Matthew chapter 9, some, uh, some uh, blind men are following Jesus and they call out to Him and say, Have mercy on us! Have mercy on us! Again, 
One of the things we learned last week is when God does something in your life and my life, it's a combination of His mercy and my faith, your faith. They both, those two together, that's when God begins to do some things. And here we see, they say, have mercy on us. And when they went, it says here, when he went indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, and he asked them this, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And their answer is, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and he said this, and one of the most wonderful words that you and I, when it relates to faith, that we need to know, according to your faith, will it be done to you? He's saying, you get to choose if you get to see or not. You get to choose if God is going to bless you a lot or a little. You get to choose if God's going to work in your life powerfully. You get to choose if the glory of God is going to be in your life or not. Based on how much faith you have. If it's a little, guess what? Expect a little. If it's more, you can expect more. And maybe you're somebody here this morning, you go, I don't have a lot of faith. Well, listen, you, you work on that. You develop that faith, like we talked about last week. And the more you develop it, the more God is going to work in your life. You're going to see His power develop as well. It's interesting, though, a few chapters later, just four chapters later in the book of Matthew, Matthew records Jesus going back to His hometown of Nazareth. And look what it says here in Matthew 13. He returned to Nazareth, His hometown. When He, when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All of his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deep, look at this, they were deeply offended. They're bothered with him. They don't like him. They reject him and refuse to believe in him. And look what the next verse says. And he, meaning Jesus, did not do many mighty deeds there because of their lack of faith. You know, I learned something here. I learned something here. Knowing is not the same as believing. Think about that. Knowing something is not the same as trusting something. See, these people knew who Jesus was. They knew Him well. They knew His family well. They knew His brother. They knew His sisters. They knew His mom. They knew Him. They knew His dad. They knew what He did for a living as a child. They knew a lot about Him. But they didn't trust Him. They didn't believe in Him. And look, what it, it made such a huge impact on what Jesus did. Because they wouldn't believe Him. He didn't do much for Him. See, I can know something, but until I trust it, it doesn't do much. I can know I need a diet. But what if I don't do it? I know I need to exercise, but if I don't do it... I know the doctor said, Tim, you need to cut down on the Mountain Dews. I did it. I believed him. I feel awesome. There's a difference between knowing and believing. And see, I can know Jesus, you can know Jesus, but not have any faith or trust in Him, or very little. I can know more about Him and believe less in Him. I know people like... I've been a Christian for, oh goodness, 40 years, over 40 years. I'm an old man. Forty years I've been a Christian and I've seen a lot of pillars in the church and a lot of pillows in the church. 
What are you talking about, Tim? I know, I know people, they know their Bibles, they've, they've listened to thousands of sermons, they've never missed a Sunday, they can quote scripture, they know all about Jesus, but when you look, just take a close look at their life, not a lot's going on. They've basically stayed the same. You know anybody like that? Are you somebody like that? You see, what's the problem? They know a lot, but they only trust a little. And because of that, Jesus doesn't do a lot in their life. But see, when, when you and I, when we, when we let God stretch our faith from knowing to believing, oh my goodness, that's when He starts doing some amazing stuff in our lives. He starts doing some, some stuff that we, we weren't, we were, we were wanting to see, we get to experience. See, there's a great example of this in the Bible. And it's, uh, it's so important. This story is so important. It's recorded in all four Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. And it's the feeding of the 5,000. There's only one other miracle recorded in all four Gospels. You want to take a wild guess what it is? The resurrection. What? Yeah, the resurrection. All four disciples that recorded the gospel writers went, man, we can't pass up the resurrection. That's a big deal. Thank God it is a big deal. But this feeding of 5,000, it's a big deal too. It got my attention. Really? Yeah, I got, here's two John. Yeah, Luke. Yep. Everybody I interviewed, man, they want, they said, you got to get that in the book. God wants that in the book. Why? Why does He want it in every gospel like the resurrection? He doesn't want you and I to miss it, folks. He doesn't want us to miss this. He wants to really look at this. It's that important. We're going to read Mark 6 together. We're just going to look at Mark 6 and we'll bring in the others when, when, when needed, the other gospels. Look at what it says here in Mark 6, 34, 34 through 44. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them. There's the mercy. There's the mercy. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. When you're looking through the eyes of Jesus, you see what people are really like. You see past the color. Past the political affiliation. Hello. You see past the habits. And you, Jesus saw the heart. He saw what was really the condition of these people. Oh, they look... They look like everybody looks like they got it together. They nobody's got it together. He says he sees them like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He just felt like I got you got to know this. I want you to know these things. Now by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and they said, "This is a remote place. I think the literal mean we're in the middle of nowhere, Jesus, and it's already very late." Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that'd take more than a half a year's wages. We always look at the financial cost, don't we? Yeah, when there's a problem. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see, go check out, go find out. So he sends them out. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. 
Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. It's a nice day, huh? So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. I want to read that again. Then he gave it to his disciples to distribute it to the people. He gave it to his disciples to give to the people. God gives what we have back to us to give to others. Catching it? He also divided the two fish among them, among them all. I love this. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. You know, Jesus doesn't waste anything. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Some people think there were more than 5,000. There were women there. The wives were there and the kids were there. Some people say, no, they weren't there. They were at home and the kids were at home. This was just a man thing. This was a men's retreat. I don't know. 5,000 is a lot, huh? That's enough. That's a lot of people. And what we see here is the power, again, of God's mercy, His compassion on people, and the faith of a boy, and the faith of some disciples being stretched and he does a miracle. He does something amazing. What are those four steps? What are four, what's, what are four steps that I can take for God to work a miracle in my life? To do something amazing in my life? Well, let me give number one here. I admit to God I have an unsolvable problem. You know, Jesus has been teaching the crowds. It's been going pretty good. I don't know if he's walking along or what. They end up out of town, a long way out of town, in the middle of nowhere. And the sun is starting to move, you know, and it's starting to get late in the day. And people are starting, maybe the disciples are overhearing, there's somebody get, saying, man, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, when are we going to eat around here? And it's almost like it's an Apollo 13 moment. Houston, we have a problem. The disciples come up, Jesus, we have a problem. You ever heard anybody say, man, they say Jesus' name in vain when they have a problem. Well, they're not. They're not saying in vain. They're actually, Jesus, we got a problem. We got a big problem. What is it? Well, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's 5,000 men and they're hungry. And you know, if you don't feed 5,000 men, they turn into a mob. I mean, this is going to be bad. All that teaching is going to go to waste. Send them away. That's what he says. Send the people away so they can go and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And I love the new, uh, the, the living Bible. It says, with what? You know, pull it out of the air. With what? Well, it would take a fortune to feed these people. Have you seen some of the, some of those guys are pretty big. They, they, they would ruin a buffet. I mean, come on. We're not going to be able to handle this. It's impossible. I love John 6 brings this in. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy. You know, Andrew's always known for finding people. He's a resource guy. And he's going around, you got any food, you got any food, you got any food, you got any food. Little kid, you got some food? Yeah, I've got some food. Come with me. And here he comes to Jesus. He goes, I, I got a kid here. He's got five small barley loaves. So Now, we're not talking about the loaves you get at Schnucks, you know, the big wheat loaves. We're talking about the kind of size of a loaf that you get at well, a pasta house. 
You know, a little bitty thing. He's got five and two small fish. They're like sardines. And then he says, but how far will they go among so many? This is, a, this is impossible. This isn't going to be enough. Don't you see, Jesus, the problem we're in? You think Jesus sees it? Of course He sees the problem they're in. And He sees it as an impossible problem. And He says, you feed them. And He goes, why would you say feed them, Lord? I mean, are you crazy? No, I'm trying to stretch your faith. And I'm going to put something in front of you that is difficult and impossible for you to even deal with. Look what it says here in John 6. Now, Jesus already knew what He was about to do. But He said this to stretch Philip's faith. Jesus already knew what He was going to do. You know, Jesus already has a solution before you even know you got a problem. He's already on it. And He's going to use it to stretch your faith. I'm angry this morning. I'm getting tired of fear pushing me around. How about you? I'm tired of discouragement pushing me around. I'm tired of bad news having its way with me. And the reason bad news has its way with me is because I feel something rather than putting faith in it. And these guys here are, are panicking. They're worried. You know, you think about what, how you respond to impossible things. When you come up to a roadblock in your life or something that just seems like it's never going to move, it's never going to change. And I've, I got several of those in front of me right now. And you know, one of the things I notice I do, my pride seems to kind of just rise up. And I begin to go, hey, wait a minute, God, I think you ought to do this. Did you notice that they said Jesus? They're telling Jesus Christ what to do. What? Are they nuts? Jesus, here's what you need to do. You need to send those people away. He already knew what he was going to do. You need to do this. How many times have you run into something that you think is impossible and you start bringing up what your wisdom and your knowledge and what you think ought to be done around here, around your marriage, around your workplace, around your friendships? Well, you need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. And we don't even ask Jesus what he thinks we ought to do. He already knows what he's going to do before we even started. It's a bad idea because Jesus, what's He say? No, we're not sending the people away. So when we reach something impossible, my pride, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes my pride, I just think I know better than Jesus. I don't know. I don't know anything better than Jesus, folks. I don't know how you are, but I'm learning quickly. He knows everything. But there's another thing that happens. We get pessimistic. Well, that's not going to work. That was a bad idea. Jesus, look. There's not enough food. There's 5,000 people. You want to count them? I, I, I've been out here counting. There's 5,000 men out here. Okay. And I'll tell you something else I noticed. What? He goes, all we got is this kid and he's got his lunch. And there's, let's count them. One, two, three, four, five loaves, barley loaves, and two tiny fish. Here's your proof. I've been counting. I'm a mathematician. I know we don't have enough. You know what Jesus is saying? You're right. You're right if you look at it that way. 
But if you look at it another way, you might see something else. I want to show you another picture, folks. You ready? Here's an easy one. And what do you see? There's the 5,000 men. Look, some of them are up, upset. One's shaking his fist in the background. I want something to eat! There's a pile of them. Look, way back in the back, there's a line of them coming in. And and I don't know who this is. Is it Andrew? Is it Philip? Look, we've only got five. Let's count them. Jesus, one, two, three, four, five. You know what I think is interesting? If you look at this photo real close, some photo bombing has been going on. Because I, well, let's count. Okay, let's count. 5,000. There's a big number. What else? Well, five loaves. Okay. Two fish. Yeah, keep counting. Well, that's it. Uh uh. One son of God. One son of God. Jesus is the biggest person in the picture. He loves photo bombing your problems. Oh, I see. This is hopeless. This is hard. And he's like in the background going, I love photobombing. I've watched the teens. I'll be taking a picture. I get behind, try to photobomb, get in front. Even when I was a kid, Danny and I are in a photo of our family. And just before they step the picture, the Polaroid, I put my elbow in his face. And he's like this. He hates that picture. I love it. I want to say, Jesus, guys, Jesus is always in your problem. But if you look through the spiritual eye, that's when you see Him. You will see Him. He's there. So why are you putting poor old Andrew through all this, Jesus? I'm trying to stretch Philip and Andrew and Peter and all the others. I'm trying to stretch their faith, Tim. And I will stretch your faith. And He will stretch your faith, church. He'll put you in situations you go, I don't even know where to start. You in one of those right now? You're trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, and he's just waiting for you. Instead of counting this and counting that and counting that, count him in the problem. Include him in the problem. See, I need to hear that this morning. I need to hear that this morning. Your God loves putting people in impossible situations. Moses, I want you to talk. I can't talk. Yes, you can. Gideon, I want you to do something. I'm, I'm, I'm the puny one. I'm the peony one of the family. I need you to do this. Jeremiah, would you? I can't do anything. I'm a kid. That sounds impossible for a kid. Don't say, he says, don't say you're a kid. Stop saying that. Stop using that as an excuse. Isaiah, he says, here am I, send me. What do you want me to do? That's big. I want to be in that. What a response. That's a response God wants us to have. See, He wants us to stretch our faith. He wants to stretch your faith from knowing about Him to believing in Him. That's a big difference, folks. He wants it to grow. Like, like in John 9, there's a, there's a fella that was born blind. And remember the disciples asked Him, Lord, who sinned? His, his parents or Him? And He said, neither But this has happened so I can display my power through Him. It's impossible. And God says, I want to display my power. That's what He's doing in this picture. So I've got to admit, I've just got to admit, this is impossible. 
for me. I don't have enough. But Jesus is in it and He has plenty. Number two, I give God what little I already have. See, God will use whatever I give Him. Some of you here, I'm not asking you to to empty your bank account or clear out your schedule and do nothing but just be here all the time and give all the time. I don't. I, I I'm never going to convince you of that. That's something only you and God can work out. But you know what? You can give Him what you, what little you have. I've had people say, "Well, I can't really do much. I don't have very much to offer. I'm not that sharp. I'm not that smart." I'm not that talented. I don't have much money. I don't have much time. Blah, blah, blah. We give our excuses and God says, well, what do you got, kid? I just got my lunch. You know what's amazing to me? It's not just the feeding of the 5,000, but that a little boy would share his food. Have you ever tried to take a French fry off a grandkid's table at McDonald's? I almost lost a finger one time. Meyer just about took my finger off. What are you doing, Papa? I'll leave my McNuggets alone. I didn't think you were eating them. You were too busy playing in the playground. They're mine! And this little boy, he's just like, this is all I got. It's not much. God can do a lot with a little. God can do a lot with a little. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go see. And when they found out, they said, five small loaves of bread and two fish. And He says, bring them to Me. He doesn't need a lot to do a lot. Just the little that you have. One time Jesus was sitting across the street and, and with His disciples and they're watching people giving money at the temple and the rich are putting in these lots of gold and jewelry and you hear it clanging in this metal container and it's turning heads and people are like, wow, wow. And then a woman walks up. It's a widow woman. She has only two copper coins and she hits them and you know, they kind of go dink, 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 like two pennies would. And it turned heads, but they weren't impressed. Jesus was. Why? Because she gave all she had. What little she had. She said, I'm going to give it. In fact, he says, she outgave all the others because she gave all she had to live on. And it was just a little. Don't cheapen what you have to give to Jesus. Give what little you have and He will bless it. I think about people over the years when I think about people who give money. When we did possess the land, and we were all excited about buying this chunk of land from Larry Mance. I don't think he even budged on the price, if I remember. He wouldn't budge a dime. And um, so we paid whatever he asked. And I remember we were taking up money and we're eating afterwards. And I see Faith Smith and she's gone to heaven now. And she's an older lady and she's sitting there. and goes, how you doing, Faith? Oh, I'm doing all right, Tim. I go, well, that's great. Because, you know, Tim, I was only able to give $10. Okay, I gave ten grand that year. I remember it was ten grand, and I went, "Faye, you don't have ten dollars." She goes, "Well, I scrounged around. I got ten bucks." So you gave me? No, Tim, I did not give you. Oh, yes, you did, because I still got money in the bank. I still got money to buy groceries and clothes. 
She's living paycheck to paycheck. There's, there's a couple that sat in this, in this auditorium that gave up their bed. It was Sheila and Charles. What are you doing? Giving up your bed. Well, I want to do something. I don't want to do nothing. What an attitude. I want to do something. You know, David one time says, I won't give something to the Lord unless it costs me something. And I thought about that, Sheila. Some of you, I know there's a woman in this room that gave up her 401k at the time, way back when we did a contribution. She's sitting in this auditorium. What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm saying that, that God will take the little you have if it's a little money, a little time, a little energy. I don't have a lot of energy, Tim. I'm, I don't have as much time as I like. If I can't give this, I won't give it all. Don't say that. Stop talking like that. Give what little you have. This boy gave what he gave wasn't even going to feed another person. He said, here it is. And God multiplies it right in front of him. You see, when you give God what you have, He works through it. But if you keep it to yourself, don't expect anything to happen. Number three, I put it all in the hands of Jesus. Now this is interesting. You say, that sounds like the second point. Not quite. Let me explain. I put it in the hands of Jesus. In John or in Matthew 14, he says, we have, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he says. Bring them to me. He takes, look at this, he takes this kid's lunch, guys, and he holds it up to God. He takes the little you have seriously. Jesus takes it seriously, the little you give. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Whatever you give him, he take, He thanks God for it. He thanks his father that you're giving this to him. You know, Jesus is thankful too. Isn't that something? You want to move him to gratitude? Give him what little you have and give it to him and watch what he does. Watch what he does with it. He gives thanks. He breaks it. And then it says he keeps giving them to the disciples to set before the people. He gives it to the disciples and they begin to distribute it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who motivates you to do what you are doing with what you have? Let me ask it again. Who, not what? I know there's good causes, but there's something, there's a better question than what is motivating me. Who who motivates me to do what I am doing with what I have? See, over the years, I've watched a lot of Christians determine that they're going to give their money, their time, their energy, their talents, whatever, based on one person. I want you to think about that. Some of you need to really think about that. You're basing what you do, what you give, on one person. And it ain't Jesus. I'm not giving because of this person. 
I'm not supporting that because of this person. I'm not going to show up because of that person. See, one person motivates the boy to trust and give. It's Jesus. Now, I don't know. I think kids would do this. I don't think it's awful that we do this. But I can just imagine Andrew goes, have you got any food? Yeah. Oh, I need it. Why? Why? What are you going to do with it? Where's it going? You ever ask those questions? What's going to be done with it? And I could see Andrew going, Jesus needs it. Who? Jesus. The guy I've been listening to? The guy that's just amazing? Maybe he's one of those kids that he picked on his knee and blessed. I don't know, but he... Here. I don't have to wonder. He gives willingly, cheerfully, gratefully, and immediately. And I want to encourage you, if you want God to do something amazing, admit it's impossible. What I'm facing is impossible. I really need to hear what God wants me to do. I need to depend on Him. And what little I have, I just need to give to Him. What little I have, but I need to make sure it's in His hands. It's for Him. God blesses you and I when we give motivated by Jesus. And the fourth thing is, I expect God to bless it. If I'm giving the little I have, and I'm giving it to Christ, He's going to bless it. He, he says, it says, everyone ate and had enough. He lifts it into the heavens, and He blesses it. And then He passes it out until everybody is satisfied. There's enough. It didn't look like much, but there was enough. In fact, it was more than enough. They took up 12 baskets full. The disciples carried... It's believed that back then you carried a little basket with you, much like the canvas shopping bags people carry, not the plastic or the paper. They carried a little a little bag with them, and they would put things in there, maybe most of the time food. So the disciples have collected, and they've received more than they had because they were empty before. God's blessed them with so much more. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is what I give, God gives back and then some. In Luke 6, He says, Give to others and God will give it to you. Or give to you. Indeed, you'll receive a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands. All that you can hold. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. There it sounds like according to your faith. The way you handle your stuff, listen, and you use it for others... God will, will bless you and use for you. I was talking to a couple this morning and we were looking, Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe to me, the Bible says. God says, bring it to my house and see if I will not open the floodgates and pour so much on you, you can't handle it. And then it's almost like a double dog dare. I, I dare you to test me. Denise and I have done that. We've tested God many times. Oh, go on, see. we'll see what you can do. Top that! And he does. What about that? He does. I guess we'll go. I guess we'll do this parenting class. 
I'm just so tired. All I, all you gotta do is push a button, Tim. I don't know. And we go home going, I'm so glad we did that. It was just a little energy. And God says, I'll bless you with more. I'll bless you with something, Tim. You'll watch, you'll watch parents learn how to bring up spiritual champions. This parenting class is cool. I'm watching our young parents. The ones that, that are there, every one of them wants to raise their kids better. Thank God we got parents like that. Now let me say something as we close. You want to get your, if you'd like to respond to this lesson, you can get your communication cards out if you haven't already and you'd like to respond to this. Let me, let me say one thing as we close here. The world is spiritually hungry. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do too. How do we know that? If you know that and you've agreed with that, it's probably because you're looking through spirit, your spiritual eyes and you just see it, don't you? Yeah, you see it. They're just hungry for truth and purpose and meaning and answers and, and help. They're, just, they're hungry for victory and peace. And Jesus has said this to Greater Alton for 30, 35 years. 35 years. Feed them. It's like He told His disciples. He's told this church, there are people hungry. Feed them. And it's impossible for us. Would you agree? It's difficult. It's been difficult being a member at Greater Alton Church. Would you agree? Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes, you know, and, and, and every time we've asked you to give, man, you've just come through and you've, I mean, you've made it happen. Just like the generation before you. Just like that group that met in my basement in 1989, 88. And then we went to the Holiday Inn for a while. And then we went to that crazy waterbed store down the road. We do some kind of crazy idea. Let's go and invite as many people. I'll bring your neighbor day. A Hot Wheels rally. Bringing people to our retreats. Move into a grocery store. Build this. Danny was telling me he saw up there while they were cleaning some two by fours that where Daryl Herbst had written some names. Because they're underneath these boards and on the ceiling there are names under the paint that people said, God, a prayer, bring them here. Some of your names, you weren't here at the time, you're here. Somebody gave and you were satisfied. You got fed. Look at Joe, you know, newest Christian. Man, it's so so exciting to have you here. <laughs> It is exciting to see people respond to the gospel. I don't want her in trouble. I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want her to get harmed by the devil. The devil's going to work on her. And I just think there's going to be a time in her life she's going to go, we're going to go, hey, we're going to do this. I want to be in on that. You sit in chairs you may have paid for, and then again, you may have not paid for. Because somebody brought a bed, a ten dollars, 
They brought their 401k. They came up here and cleaned when no one else showed up. Think about Aaron and some of these guys up here cleaning toilets after we get done using them. I want God to bless them so much. I wanted them to know that what they're doing is not a waste of time. And listen, church, what you do with what you have because of Jesus is not a waste of your time. The world is hungry and it needs us to feed them again. And it will be so when people are willing to give their lunch. Jesus made this promise. Look at this. A kernel of wheat must be given away and planted in the soil. Unless it dies and is buried, it will remain a single seed. But its death will produce many more seeds and a great harvest. The reason I get so emotional reading that is because I've experienced the great harvest of those that have died to themselves and invited me to church just invited me to church, overcome their fear, got past their fear and said, would you come to church? And then dealt with their fear and said, could we study the Bible? Could we hang out and pray together? And there's a great harvest in front of us if we'll give away our lunch, if we'll die to ourselves. See, if we remain a single seed, nothing changes. But if we'll die, oh, Who needs your lunch this morning? I'm hoping God has put on everybody's heart somebody that needs your lunch. They're hungry. Will you offer that lunch to Jesus? You may not give it to me or to Alan or to Gary or to Mike or to Nathan or our wives or our families. I prefer you didn't. They'd prefer you didn't. Would you give it to Jesus? Make it about Jesus? Because He already has something in mind. He's already got something He's wanting to do with your lunch. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You so much for being a miracle worker. That's a word we don't use around here much. I... uh I try other words, amazing, incredible. But Father, I just think about the amazing, incredible things that I could never do by myself. I was no way I could experience by myself, but You made it possible because of someone else's generosity. And Father, I know it's my turn. You're still asking me, and You're still asking this church. You're still asking all of us. It's our turn to let go of our lunch so You can do something amazing in our schools in our neighborhoods, in our towns. Would you open our eyes, Lord? Open our eyes. Help us see with the spiritual eye this morning. Father, we want your Son to be the best, the most motivating factor in what we do with what we have. And we pray we'll hold on to things loosely, knowing at any moment you might need them and that we'll use them for your glory to display your power. This is what we pray, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.